0: All right. Welcome back to the Becoming Spiritually Minded podcast. I um, I do have a cold today. So if I sound a little off, that is why. Maybe nobody else hears about me. I don't know. <laughs> so I actually realized I've never, I don't think I've really given like a good introduction on this podcast about who I am. So I am a life coach, but I love Jesus Christ and I love learning. How to Live a Christ-Centered Culture. I also have another podcast called Perspective Detective, which is more focused on personal development and growth from a mental health and wellness lens, where I do bring in the gospel sometimes, but not all the time. And so I wanted to create another podcast that was more focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ through discussing conference talks, but I can't help but bring in life coaching, not life coaching principles, I call it that, but it's really just... um growth and progress and things that make our life good and true principles. So that said, (laughs) today we are talking about the talk called Love Thy Neighbor by Elder Ian S. Arden. He is a member of the 70. He is a teacher by profession. He's native to New Zealand, and he's currently serving as the presiding bishop in Central Africa over 17 countries. So today I have with me Emily Wardrop, She Mm -hmm. is my friend from college, so lots of years ago, and we actually reconnected when we both discovered that we were both into life coaching. So uh, Emily coaches moms who have children with type 1 diabetes, and but before she really niched down to diabetes, she had a podcast called Believe You Are a Good Mom, and Emily is the best cheerleader that I know. She is the person that if you want to go to somebody that will offer you grace and compassion and help you have acceptance for yourself, like Emily is the person for that. She's so, so good at that. So I'm really excited to have her here on the podcast today for this talk. And let's just jump right in. Emily, what stuck out to you the most from this talk?
1: Okay, so love thy neighbor. I feel like literally the purpose of life is to learn how to love. And so I love this talk because this is the whole point, right, (laughs) is to figure out how the heck we love people the way Jesus loved people. And and actually speaking of all your podcasts and my podcast, and I actually my second most listened to my podcast is the topic was purpose of life. And I think that maybe that's something in the search engine optimization, you know, (laughs) like people are literally like Googling what's the purpose of life? People Mm want to know, you know, and we have the answer in the gospel and we just kind of take it for granted, you know, that we know the plan of salvation. We know the big picture. We know why we're here on earth. And yet we still need to be reminded all the time. And I like to just simplify it down to the purpose of life is to learn to love. So that's what we're going to talk about today.
0: I love that. It's so much more simple, right? I mean, we hear, you know, there's lots of different options. The purpose of life is to have joy. The purpose of life is to get back to God. It's to use your agency. It's to learn about Christ. It's all those things. But all of that, if you can learn how to love, then all of those other things fall into place.
1: Yeah. And it's so, it sounds so simple, but it's not easy. (laughs) And it's really a lot more profound than it sounds. So,
0: well, it's only uh, not easy because of the natural man and the yeah, natural brain that gets it. Exactly. Way,
1: right. Exactly. So we are good. God made us. He said, it is good. We've always been good. And now we're in this mortal probation where we have these fantastic brains and nervous systems and bodies and things that are all like, we're just trying to get it all figured out. And, and love is a huge piece of all of that. So do you want me to jump in to the, yeah, of course? Yeah, we're there. So he describes, like you said, his work in Africa. And this is really fun for me because ever since I was a kid, there was this there was this other kid that I kind of, you know, had a crush on in elementary school and he was from Africa and his mom came and like taught us all about Kwanzaa at Christmas time and all the things. And so Africa has always been on my bucket list ever since I was a kid. And anytime they talk about Africa at general conference, I always get like really excited because of that. <laughs> so, and I actually have Africa on the map behind my head right now. But none of you can see that. Anyway, so it is just absolutely crazy to listen to him describe the conditions that like this is happening in the world right now. So many people live like this, and it's just crazy. (laughs) And it's just really cool to be a part of an organization that is actually able and is helping people in all the world with all the things that are going on in this crazy world. And it's so easy for us to contribute. Literally, all we have to do is push a couple of buttons on our keyboards on the internet to send money to an organization we can trust. That's going to actually use our funds for something good. And, and like he says in the talk, you don't have to know how or who or whatever your money is going towards, but you know that it's going to be helpful. And so you hear these heartbreaking stories about how people are living And like, all we have to do is be generous in our offerings and it literally helps. And so that's super fun. And I feel like, I mean, unless you have anything else to say about that, I, it's like, that's what the talk was about. And I'm like, okay, that's easy. Like I can send money to Africa. Great. Where it's hard to love people (laughs) is okay. But what about just right across the street from you, My literal neighbors and even harder than that within my own home and in my own head. Like you said, like having grace and compassion for ourselves, for our family members, for people who are the closest to us, for our literal neighbors is like, I can love the people in my ward. No problem. But the ones that are right across the street, like we're up in each other's business a lot more than the ones who are down the street, you know, (laughs) and the ones who are across the world. Right. And so really where the rubber hits the road with learning how to love is like within our own homes. And so that's what I want to talk about.
0: What is it that you think makes it hard to love your neighbors?
1: Oh, judgment. So he talks a lot about compassion in this Mm -hmm. talk and judgment. I think compassion is like the antithesis of judgment. So if we're judging someone, the way to drop that judgment is to just get curious about them, be compassionate, see it from their perspective, right? Perspective detective. When you Mm -hmm. see it from the other point of view, that's when compassion can grow and when judgment disappears.
0: Yeah. And I, I loved that part. I loved just, thinking about looking for the compassionate perspective in, you know, in all situations, right? Like if you feel yourself annoyed or angry or judging, oftentimes I don't think we recognize that we're judging, right? We'll recognize like, oh, this person's really annoying. Oh, that was really rude. I don't like how they did that. I feel like they were disrespectful for, to me, you know, like we're very much like looking at how something affected us, but Almost all the time that is because of a judgment mm-hmm. that we're placing. And so I, yeah, I, as I was reading this, I just kept thinking about, okay, how can you find a compassionate perspective for someone that hurts you or for when you feel offended? And, and then also even not just for other people, but also for ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We judge ourselves so much. And the more that we judge ourselves, then actually the more that we also judge other people as well. Like we're going to treat others the way that we treat ourselves often. Yeah. Times. Yeah. It's just the lens um, so that always we're looking seeing. for that compassionate perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, that you've probably been judging yourself harshly if you catch yourself judging other people, or if you catch yourself judging yourself so much, you're probably also judging other people like either one or the other is easier to work on or easier to notice, but it's just there. Like the judgment is just there. So to have compassion for ourselves, well, of course, because that's, again, that's how our mortal brains have been made on purpose to keep us safe, right? Our brain's purpose is to keep us safe. And sometimes safe is not always, you know, the most, the most loving or the most, growth inducing state. And so we just have compassion for, of course, I'm feeling that, of course, I'm judging, of course, I'm judging myself, of course, of course, of course, is my favorite brain hack. (laughs) And then bring it back to how do I want to intentionally think about this instead of just my default brain?
0: Right, right. Yeah, I do the same thing. I always go back to the motivational triad in the brain, right? There's three things that are the natural man tendencies that we're not going to get rid of, right? But I think as we accept them, then we can have compassion. And that is, you know, conserve energy, avoid pain and seek pleasure. Those are the natural man things. And I love, so in his talk, he talks about how compassion is an attribute of Christ. It is born of love for others and knows no boundaries. He says the savior of the world is the epitome of compassion. And he says, I, we read that Jesus wept. We are witnesses of this with, as were Mary and Martha, Jesus's compassion first caused him to groan in spirit and be troubled, which is actually really interesting. I know a lot of, I, I mean, I love the scripture because it shows kind of a, you know, a human and compassionate side of Christ. Oh shoot, let me turn this on. Do not disturb. Okay. I love that because it does show like this, you know, this human, this compassionate side of Jesus Christ, but also it's a little bit perplexing, right? Because Jesus had an eternal perspective, right? He had an eternal perspective, like this scenario specifically when Jesus wept, that's when Lazarus died, right? And Jesus knows that he's going to be able to raise him from the dead. He knows that it's going to be okay. Even if he didn't raise him from the dead, he knows it's going to be like, well, there's going to be the resurrection, right? right? Like you're going to see him and it's not going to be very long from now and everything is going to be fine, right? He could have thought that way with an eternal perspective, which... I think is a wonderful tool, but set aside right now. He understood the natural man and he had compassion for that piece with Mary and Martha. And that's, I think that's why he wept because he's like, I understand like what you're feeling. I understand that you've got this, you know, motivational triad right now and that it hurts because you don't know, right? You don't know that he's going to be raised right now. And it doesn't matter if you know or not right now, you are feeling mournful and therefore I am going to mourn with you.
1: Yeah. Which is part of our baptismal covenant to do that, right? We're supposed to be mourning with those who mourn and cry with those who cry. And so I love that example too, that it shows Christ's emotions. Like we tend to think that there are good emotions and bad emotions. And if we're trying to be good and Jesus was perfect, then he probably only had the good emotions, but that's not the case. Like emotions are just part of the human experience. And he came down here to experience being human. So he experienced all the emotions that we experience, not just in the garden of Gethsemane so that he knows how to sucker us, but throughout his life. So yeah. he instantly had that empathy with her that she was sad. I mean, all those thoughts you just gave us like, yeah, when we stop and think about things we can rationalize, Oh, we don't have to be sad because we know the eternal perspective. But someone just died. We're sad, like, we're not gonna think our way out of those natural feelings that just happen. And how awesome that that happened for him, too! So he yeah. totally gets it,
0: yeah. Well, I mean, even bring this into like a realistic, like, present scenario, right? Like, with my kids, if they're like throwing a fit because they can't have a piece of candy or something, and I'm like, what's well, not a big deal right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just a candy bar. You're going to get one later or it's not going to do anything for your life or whatever. It's important to them, Yeah, right? It's important to them right now because they're not, again, like always going back to that that brain motivational triad. Like they're not getting the pleasure mm-hmm. that they expected. And if I can come at that from a compassionate perspective of like, yeah, actually that that sucks. That's hard mm-hmm. that you're not getting what you want right now. You know and come down to to that level I don't even like I don't like that phrase come down to their level I don't (laughs) like it (laughs) but I I just from looking at it yeah just looking at it from a compassionate perspective of like of course you're upset about this Mm
1: -hmm.
0: of course you are you know and not you know judging them or shaming them for being upset about a piece of candy or being upset that they have to clean their room or something of course they're upset about this and having compassion, I feel like that raises the energy level for both of you in this parent-child relationship and for yourself to love them and then to guide them through a problem solving or processing their their feelings or something. And that's absolutely something that we learn from
1: Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he felt all the feelings, right? And he has this perfect love. So if we look at love as an emotion, it didn't mean that he felt happy all the time, like because he has this perfect love, that doesn't necessarily mean that he was in like the quote unquote positive emotions all the time. So I think sometimes we think that we need to do that. We're like, oh, we're supposed to love all the time. What would love do? What does love look like? oh no, I feel angry right now. I feel frustrated. That must be that I don't love, you know, because if love is a feeling that comes from our thoughts, how often are we literally feeling love towards our children during the day? (laughs) Like we're usually feeling frustrated or irritated or annoyed or, you know, whatever towards, you know, the people that are the closest to us who we love the most. So we've made this commitment. Love is a commitment. It's a decision. You know, I decide I'm going to love my husband forever. That doesn't mean I feel love a hundred percent of the time. Right. It's a decision. It has to be a decision every day. Yeah. And so maybe he was able to like, maybe love is not an emotion the way we think of all the other emotions. I kind of think of it as like an umbrella like peace or love. There's some states of being. Like it was just his state of being, he just is love. And we are too, and we also feel all these other things. And so we don't have to beat ourselves up if we're feeling bad or having, you know, quote unquote negative emotion towards somebody that we're not in love all the time. It's it's a just coming back to remembering that's who we are and that we can live in alignment with who we are in like glimpses here and there, but we're also having a human experience. And that for me brings compassion to me and to everyone else who's doing the same tricky human thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So one of the things that I, that I got from this, and this is, this has shown up with every conference talk that I, that I have studied so far is that what you do matters and that the Lord sees you the Lord sees every one of us. Um, I saw that in this talk, I saw it where he says, despite our every effort, you and I won't heal everyone, but each one of us can be the one who can make a difference in the life of someone else. And then he says, it is sufficient to give or to do what you are able and then allow Christ to magnify your effort.
1: Yeah, I love that part. So, I like especially he says, despite our every effort, you and I won't heal everyone. I'm like, actually, you and I won't heal anyone. Like, Christ is the one that does the healing. And we can be, what else he said? Each of us can be the one who can make a difference for good in the life of someone. So, we're doing our little part, we're bringing our loaf and our fish. And then he's the one who actually magnifies it and heals people through our little efforts to try to help. Right.
0: But you do have to make an effort,
1: right? Yeah. Do you have to you show have up. To you, bring do, you have to
0: bring, you know, whatever small amount that you have, and I just, I don't know. That just brings so much peace and joy to my heart that the Lord will magnify my effort.
1: That what that what I do matters. That what you do matters. Yeah, yeah. And the other story he brought up is the Good Samaritan. Yeah, which if we're thinking about in those days, you know, the Samaritan specifically was like enemies, right, with the Jewish people. And so he is making a point that it was a Samaritan who stopped and took such good care of them. And so we need to be really honest with ourselves and look at like, because the the you know, like the Lamanites and the, the Nephites, the ites of those days is the isms of our days so our racism our sexism our ageism our you know enlightenment isms (laughs) like you know I like to be judgmental of people who don't think the same way I do about life coaching skills you know I'm like Mm -hmm. so we have to be really honest with ourselves like who is it that we're looking down on that we think is less than the way that the Jews would have thought about the Samaritans you know and I mean even I have like really dumb biases like nerdophobes like oh I get so uncomfortable around nerds like they're so nerdy (laughs) or (laughs) something you know like in the <laughs> past, I have maybe said something like that. So, like, or or people who are so arrogant or so whatever, or you know, right? Just all things that you immature. place judgment on, right? Yeah, like, all the judgments, right? Judgments. Yeah, and so it's the compassion that gets rid of all those judgments by knowing that, like, I don't know. It's just it's just an awesome story to see somebody who socially should have like been shunning him but it was his own people and like the people who are the highest in the church or like so special that they could do whatever at the temple all the things you know they're the ones that were like "Ew, yeah I can go on their way to do their righteous deeds instead of the more righteous deed of taking care of their yeah. quote-unquote enemy right that was right. our enemy
0: yeah well and this is this kind of gets to what i said at the very very beginning is creating a culture in christ right like we have these this kind of evolved judgment culture, right? And I think that having as well, as as he says here in this talk, compassion is an attribute of Christ. It is born of love for others and knows no boundaries. There are no boundaries on compassion. When there are no boundaries on compassion, that's when you can create a culture in Christ.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And what just came to my mind is, you know, people say, things like um so they left the church but they're such a good person it's like well yeah (laughs) you know so like do you hear the ism in there or like the samaritan and the jews it's like if you've left the church now you're them and we are your only good people stay in the church or something which is
0: not true either way like both things are not true yeah Yeah.
1: and so we just have to catch ourselves with with those divisions that we cause in our own minds yeah and just tear down all those walls with love and compassion for the, the human experience that we're all like. Yeah.
0: Well, just Mm -hmm. like you said, compassion is
1: the opposite of judgment. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I actually, when I saw this, no, no boundaries, I circled that because I teach boundaries a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I was like boundaries plus compassion equals compassionate boundaries. Mm -hmm. Right. Like we don't create boundaries to out someone. Mm -hmm. We create them out of of love, we create them to preserve a relationship, we create them for safety, we create them um, so that we can have security and safety and love.
1: Yeah, so he's not saying, which it kind of looks like, he's not saying that if you have compassion, you have no boundaries. He's saying the compassion no, he's not saying that has no boundaries. Yeah, exactly. So even if you have a boundary up with someone for your own safety, you still have compassion for them and you have so much compassion for yourself that you have to set up that boundary and you have compassion for them that hurt people, hurt people, and they've been through a lot. And I feel, you know, I feel for them, I feel compassion for them, but I have to keep me and my family safe. And so we have to have that boundary. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That was another thing that I, you
0: know, as I was like trying to come up with ideas, like to have the compassionate perspective, right. With people that we need to create boundaries with, right? A lot of, you know, like we, you and I probably hear the terms a lot like, well, so-and-so is such a narcissist and so I refuse to be around them or will not let them, you know, to my home or whatever. And I'm like, what would a compassionate perspective in that kind of relationship look like? And, you know, some was like, oh, well, maybe this person just actually lacks communication skills or have a lot of insecurities or something. I mean, I don't know. And if that like triggers somebody who actually has a relationship with a narcissist to somebody, but, but also like it won't hurt to find a compassionate perspective, whatever that is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which again, doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries. It just, it's it's just a more loving way to live. This is going to be better for everybody. Yeah. 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 So back to the loaves and fishes, another way to kind of, um, apply that to our life. So right now I'm praying for charity, right? (laughs) So charity. Okay, hold on. Let me start with patience. So before I found life coaching, I used to pray for patience. I was a mom and being a mom, you need a lot of patience. Right. And I was like, I've never been good at this patience thing. Right. (laughs) At the end of my mission, I got up and was like, I guess my whole mission was to teach me patience, you know? And then I was single for a million years and I was like, well, graduating out of the singles board was to teach me patience. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm supposed to like learn it at some point And I just couldn't get there. You know, I'm like, hello, as a mom, hello, where's all that patience I learned? How come I still don't have any, I literally thought it was like this blessing from God that I just didn't Deserve or something like he—he he was just gonna give it to me, and I was begging and begging and begging, and still like where's this patience thing? So I kind of yeah. feel like charity is kind of like that too, because I've even literally heard that like on some confessional podcast recently that like charity is a gift from God that you have to pray for and He will give it to you. And I'm like, okay, but faith without works is dead. Like I'm all about praying for it, but don't I need to like work for it too? And so to literally feel love towards someone, to feel Christ-like charity. I can pray for it all day long, but if I'm not doing my part, I got to bring my loaves and fishes and he's going to multiply that and bless me with charity. But what is my part? It's, it's president Nelson nailed it. Like thinking celestial. Our part is to get awareness of what we are thinking, the judgments that we're having of ourselves and others. I just want to be blessed with charity to just magically have these nasty thoughts out of my head. No, like I have to do the work to think things that are going to make me feel compassionate towards other people. It's little, it's small. It's not very much. And he will magnify that, but I have to do my part because otherwise the faith without works, you know, it's just, it's just hopeful thinking, you know, but I have to do my part and he will do his part, which is significantly more. And so we will be blessed with patience. We will be blessed with compassion. We will be blessed with charity, but we have to ask for it and we have to work for it. Yeah,
0: well, that's the law of creation, right? Like you have to consciously decide to see something the way that you want to see it, to speak of it the way that you want to speak of it, right? The way that you want it to become. And then you will feel charity or patience. And then you will do things out of charity and patience, right? And then you become charitable and patient. I love in this talk, he uses a quote from President Nelson that says, when we love God with all our hearts... He turns our heart to the well-being of others. And I just I wrote on this side, I'm like, this is how you improve a relationship. You love God. If you want to improve a relationship, love God. Yeah. That's the first step. I don't know. It sounds easier said
1: than done. <laughs> yeah, but for sure. But that's when we love God with time. all of
0: our hearts, then then yeah, it's so much easier to see others with charity, to see them the way that God sees them, to have yeah. that compassionate perspective. Because we trust that you know, trust that God has got it in his hands, trust that he's going to work it out, trust that, that the Lord knows.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if COVID taught us anything, I mean, we can live in secluded isolation and like, and it's a lot easier to get along with people if you never see them. Right. But we, again, the purpose of this life is to learn this stuff is to learn to really how to be charitable, how to be compassionate, how to love the way Christ loved. And so we have to do the work it takes to get along with the people that are closest to us and get rid of the judgment and, and embrace our humanness and, and yeah, easier said than done, yeah. but it's, it's, it's the purpose of life. So if, we're, yeah. if we get it figured but it out, does then work. yeah, right. It does actually work. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, sometimes, sometimes it's frustrating because it's like, I, I mean, <laughs> like your generous introduction said, like, I'm actually very good at loving people and giving people grace and compassion, but not perfect at it. That's for sure. So I have my people that I still need to work on that with. And, and I wouldn't want to get perfect at it because then I'd be taken. So, you know, it's, it's good times, but it's worth it because it feels so good to love people too. So
0: it's, yeah, it does. Well, that brings me to like one more thing that I wanted to bring up. Was when he's talking about the church humanitarian efforts and responding to needs. And I just, you know, I just kept thinking about, again, like about the good Sam- Samaritan who it says he bound up the man's wounds and took care of him. And I just imagined him. And I wonder, like, what was going on in the Samaritan's life at that time? And how did taking this man in heal him? Right? Like, when we offer healing to others, or offer service to others, it in turns heals our own hearts.
1: I love and, that. And, so you good. know,
0: we'll never know what was going on with the good Samaritan, but I do strongly feel that when we offer healing, we simultaneously heal ourselves.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's just the kind of the opposite of hurt people, hurt people. So healed people heal people. Yeah. And in our healing journeys, as we learn things, that's why both of us are life coaches because we found these fun tools that have really helped us. So now we want to use them to help other people. And doesn't mean that we're perfect and we're just going to help, <laughs> you know, it just means we got one little thing figured out. We want to help that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But
0: yeah, I mean, you don't even have to be healed to heal others, right? Like right? it's like it healing. can come after, right? Yeah. Healing, healing. Yeah, it's perpetual. And I, I do strongly think that that is, you know that's a gift from God.
1: Oh, anyway, well, that's all the notes I had. Yeah. <laughs> <From my neighbor. laughs> well, this is easier said yeah. than done.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, this was a beautiful talk. It, it seems like a like a shorter one. I I really loved it and appreciated his words. And I guess the last thing that I would say is just like I just testify that I know it's true. I know that as we love God first, then it is so much easier to love others and to have compassionate for others. When we seek that, per, com, when we seek that compassionate perspective, then things change. And that's what we want, right? That's ultimately what we're going for is, is change and progress and growth. And that, that comes from loving God and seeking to have compassion.
1: Yeah. And the third great commandment to love ourselves also. Yeah. Love God. All right. And- yeah. Thanks for being here,
0: Emily. Yeah, thanks for having me. Talk again later.